Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. John chapter 3. Amen. John chapter 3, if you have your Bibles with you. I heard uh, you guys had an awesome night last night with my twin. Amen. (laughs) Pastor Greg Mitchell. Amen. We have a lot of similarities. Amen. Our testimony. Amen. Brought up. He used to get locked up in the closet too. And uh, all kinds of similarities there. He showed me his scar, uh, scratch that he had here. Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. As always, amen. Very humbled. Amen. To be here. Uh, I want to thank the Chandler Church. Amen. For uh, you know what, your pastor's ministry, amen, he was at our church a month and a half ago, amen, uh, and uh, just outstanding, uh, uh, you don't know how important it is, amen, um, for leaders to come in and bring their ministry uh, into settings like ours, amen, it just really helps us, uh, pushes us over the edge, amen, and uh, our church this past October was able to send out two more churches, amen, um, and uh, God is... a uh, Moving, amen, after uh, Pastor Campbell's ministry, uh, our church was fired up. Uh, we ended up starting a Bible study in a town near, nearby, and uh, just uh, we started outreaching it, believing God for it. It's only 10 minutes away, and we had our first Bible study yesterday. They had 42 people in attendance, amen, in that little apartment. So uh, my door director is out of himself, amen, right now. Said about that big, amen, but uh, God is good, amen, hallelujah. John chapter 3, verses 22 through verse uh, 30, I want to preach tonight, amen, this is going to be a little bit geared towards more, uh, more towards men, and uh, I understand you guys had incredible ministry already, and uh, um, it's for everybody, but it's geared towards more towards men, and I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Forerunner. And uh, believe God, amen. How many know if uh, we're going to touch the nations, amen, we're going to need forerunners, amen. Um, So John chapter 3, verses uh, 22 through verse 30. This is uh, the greatest forerunner of all time. When you think of John the Baptist, amen, many times one of his labels or one of his names is the forerunner. It says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anan, near Salem. Because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, Amen can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. 
He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Um, in verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father God, this atmosphere, God, tonight we pray. Father, for your anointing, God, I pray, God, anoint my lips, Lord, for I am your oracle, Lord, speaking for you, Lord. Your word, God, tonight would penetrate even, Father, God, through every heart in this place. God, decisions, God, at this altar would be made, God, that would change our future, God. Nations would be touched, God. Raise up forerunners, God, in this area, God, in this church. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. You know, you can't uh, help but uh, think about the name Scottie Pippen when you uh, mention the name Michael Jordan. Can you say amen? And uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Scottie Pippen, uh, uh, six times uh, 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 championship uh, rings, amen. Um, and uh, you can't help, amen. Uh, Michael Jordan, amen, is in his own class. Um, but um, a, lot, uh, is, uh, a lot of credit is given, amen, to Scottie Pippen because... Scottie Pippen was uh, his assist man, or he was uh, the forerunner. He was the guy that would take the hits for Jordan. He was uh, the guy to make sure that Jordan got the ball or that uh, he got the clear shot. Um, and because of it, because they worked together uh, so good, um, they were able, amen, to excel to win six championship rings. Scottie Pippen is the only man in the NBA that has ever won a gold medal and a championship ring in the same year. He a, a, was a phenomenal basketball player, amen. Uh, he was known, like I said, for his role uh, as uh, just helping his team out, helping out Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan then had gone uh, on um, and, uh, 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 you know what, uh, left the NBA. And uh, if you remember, Scottie Pippen tried taking that role. Scottie Pippen tried being uh, the Michael Jordan for his team, but he failed miserably. He couldn't do what Michael Jordan was, and that was for one simple reason. It's because he wasn't called to be a Michael Jordan. He was called to be Scottie Pippen. And uh, he worked better, or he was more, uh, you know what, uh, able to, to accomplish more things when he understood his role. He was a forerunner um, for Michael Jordan. You know, how many know God's still looking for forerunners? Matthew eleven ten. for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, uh, who will prepare your way before you. This is the words of Jesus speaking of John the Baptist. Um, and I want to look at this this evening, amen, at the need of the forerunner. First of all, how many know forerunners must be qualified men? And God's qualifications, amen, are quite different uh, from those of the religious world. Can you say amen? The religious world looks at talent. They look at gifting. They look at anointing. In other words, they look at the outward man. Uh, but God looks at the inward uh, when he comes uh, or when it comes to choosing leaders. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward person or appearance, uh, but the Lord looks at the heart. Because real forerunners are, are built from the inside out. 
You know, as a pastor, beloved, there in San Marcos, um, when it comes to choosing leaders in my church, um, I'm not looking up for the most gifted. Um, I'm not looking even for the most talented or the most anointed. Um, I'm looking for character and I'm looking for integrity. Can you say amen? I remember years ago, as a young disciple, Pastor Ruby saying to us, you know what, anointing will only take you so far, but character will take you to the very end. You know why I believe he said that? Um, is because character is what protects anointing uh, and gifting. See, what we want to know as pastors is, can you pray? Can you outreach? Can you tithe? Can you show up on time? Um, or can you take correction? How many know this generation doesn't like correction? I was hearing of a leader that took over a fairly large church and uh, had 11 Bible studies and 11 assistants to the Bible studies. And uh, after taking over the church, very shortly after that, he sat every single one of the leaders down. He said not one of them, including the assistants, were qualified to be Bible study leaders. No one prayed, no one outreach, and many of them still had TVs. You know, back in October, we sent out our door director, and so the church was in need of a door director. And how many know men act their best when it comes around conference? They show up on time, they're on outreach, they treat their wives good, um, and they're tithing faithfully, and, and they, everybody wants to look their best because pastor's on the lookout for the new door director. Um, and I was having a lot of people coming to me, I know who the next door director's going to be, and, or who's the next door director going to be? And I told you know what, that's a very easy answer. Uh, oh, that has a very easy answer, I said. Um, the next door director is the guy that's the door director already without the label. He's the guy that's been door director all year long without the label. He's the guy that's praying, the guy that's outreaching. He's the guy that's showing up on time. He's the guy that's discipling other men. He has grace and people skills, and he's preparing the way for others, just like John the Baptist did. When I first took over the San Marcos Church about two and a half years ago, the door director that was there in place already had been door director for six years. And I simply asked him, I said, what is, uh, what are your, well, what's your job here? What do you do? He says, I don't do anything. I just open the door and I lock it at the end. <laughs> I mean, you can get any usher to do that. And I said, do you still want to get sent out? He says, yeah, I'm, I'm ready right now. I said, okay. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to begin to give you a little bit more things to do. And let's see how you... Respond to these things. And so before you know it, man, this guy is ignoring me every time he sees me. He doesn't like the pressure. He doesn't like the responsibility, number one, because he can't remember anything. He forgets everything. Um, and one of these guys that, uh, you know, was kind of used to his wife doing everything for him. Um, and I say, you know what, man? I said, this isn't going to fly, bro. I'm not going to send you out like that. And so, you know what, uh, one day, man, he's, uh, he's uh, uh, ignoring me, and I called him. I said, come here, man. He comes on the platform. I said, do you want to get me off your, off your back? He says, yes, sir. I said, what do you think uh, you have to do to get me off your back? He says, um, get a notepad and a pen. I said, no, because you'll forget the notepad and the pen. I said, how many men are in the church? 
He says, about 25 or 30. I said, have you ever heard of the word delegate? And it was like, ding, something turned on in his head. But then he looks at me and he says, but pastor, I try getting people to do things. Nobody listens to me. I said, okay. So what you're telling me is that you want me to invest thousands of dollars in you to go pioneer a city to disciple men when you can't disciple men here. He says, I get it. I mean, something turned on this young man. This guy began to disciple other men. When it came time to pick a door director, he had discipled him. But how many know, beloved, we need forerunners. Now, let's look at what a forerunner is not. A forerunner is not a self-promoter. We always get men that want to self-promote themselves. It's usually men with the wrong spirit, which are usually religious people from other churches. Um, This is why we tell pastors, beloved, you cannot build a church on religious people. The worst thing that you can do or the worst thing that I see when I'm out pastoring uh, is, uh, you know what, young pastors, especially giving up ministry to religious people. And they do this too fast, especially platform ministry, because, listen, they don't have our spirit. They don't have, um, amen, um, uh, they don't sound like us. They don't pray like us. They don't look like us, amen. Everything about uh, these people is completely different. They're self-promoting. They sound different in the prayer room. The moment you give them ministry, they want to do it completely different. You know, nothing irks a pastor more than a guy that wants to, fix what has been working in our fellowship for 40 years to them it's not about the bride's groom it's all about the best man their spirit is what do i get out of it it's the spirit of lebron james no (laughs) no integrity no commitment to his fans it's all about lebron what do i get out of it You know, the spirit of a forerunner is what John the Baptist had. Verse 29 in John chapter 1, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Everywhere you read about John the Baptist, beloved, there is no hint of him promoting himself, only Jesus. Always um, turning the people towards the pastor. Can you say amen? Self-promoters are usually loud. They want all the attention. Um, Everything they do is only um, so that they can be noticed. Um, This is where a lot of pastors, beloved, are making um, bad decisions because they promote the religious. They promote the loudest instead of men with character, um, which are usually the quiet ones. Can you say amen? Someone said it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease while the other three are doing great. The place to see this, the best and the effects of this, beloved, is in the parable of the trees in Judges chapter 9 and verse 15. They're looking for a leader. And uh, Abimelech immediately begins to promote. And it says, and the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, Then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, 
Here's Abimelech. Um, he's quick to promote himself. Uh, and because he's the only one that's willing to do it, beloved, uh, he's the loudest. Um, he's quickly promoted. The only problem is his leadership is going to come at a price. He is going to devour and divide the kingdom. Most of the time, beloved, self-promoters are carnal. Can you say amen? Many times uh, they become rebels uh, and will consume your church if you give them too much expression. They become demanding. Many times they feel that they should be the bridegroom. Can you say amen? You know, I took over the church there in San Marcos. And there was a man back for redirection. And, uh, you know, we kind of uh, began to butt heads. Well, he butted heads with me. I didn't butt heads with him. But actually, he butted my stomach because he was uh, your typical Mexican. He was about this tall. (laughs) But he had little man syndrome. And he was constantly trying to prove himself. And so... You know, he was back for redirection, and I began to give him uh, a little bit of ministry and began to allow him to cover my services when, when I wasn't there. And uh, he came up to me one service, and he tells me, hey, uh, listen, when are you going to start paying me? <laughs> I said, paying you? For what? He says, for preaching. <laughs> I said, uh, What? He says, when are you going to start? I don't, I don't work for free. When are you going to start paying me? First of all, you're, you know, you're back for redirection. We're, 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 we're graciously giving you a little bit of space here, a little bit of room, amen, to redeem you and to help you. But how many know that spirit? These are the guys that say things like, I can't receive from you because we see eye to eye. I want to go to another fellowship church and be discipled by another pastor because me and you are on the same level. That's what this guy told me. I said, really? I don't know what level you're looking from. (laughs) But the last time I checked, you were back for redirection and I was called here to take over the church. I said, did it ever dawn on you that a few months ago I was in Bolivia having revival and this church wasn't even a thought? Ever dawn on you that maybe God brought me here? This guy goes off to start his own church. That's what rebels do. My town is a very small town. He starts a church down the street and uh, immediately he goes to every single member in my church to their house and gives them a flyer to his church. Thank God, amen, that he only took about seven people. He began to pull from two other churches, and he gathered a crowd of about 70 people. He had a meeting uh, in an apartment complex for two weeks, and then he told them, you know what, this is becoming too much for me. Go ahead and go back to your churches. Self-promoters. Which brings me to my next point. All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. (laughs) We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul Indiana Alvarez in Lima, Peru. (laughs) 
they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a win-win-win. This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait, Pastor Adam, Dave, what what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to World Evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. We know forerunner knows his role. Verse 28, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, This joy of mine is fulfilled. You know, so many men, beloved, would find ministry so much more fulfilling if they knew their role. There are men here, your role is to be a pillar. You might not ever get sent out, um, 
But how many know, beloved, in order to touch the nations, we need godly pillars. There are others here. You'll never, you know, maybe you're, you'll just be part of the council. Amen. You're going to be a Bible study leader. Um, but knowing your role is so important, is so crucial, especially, amen, with the church that is doing what your church does. Now, even though John had his supporters, he still understood his role. He said, I am not the bridegroom. Um, and he led them to Jesus. He didn't have, in other words, a pole running or was flattered with popularity. I always get nervous, amen, when people come to me, especially in my church, and they'll tell me, you know, they want to come and criticize or they have complaints, and they always say, and I'm not the only one to think so, Pastor. <laughs> what are you guys running a poll or what? What are you <laughs> meeting on Tuesday or what? What is, what, what do you mean you're not the only one to think so? What is, what are y'all doing on Tuesday nights? A forerunner isn't flattered. I was in Australia a few months ago, and they were having their elections. And uh, they had this thing called the worm. And so what happened is that the people that were running for uh, the presidency there, they had them speaking, and they had cameras in front of them, and if they would begin to give their speeches. And if the speech wasn't good and the people weren't accepting it, the worm would go down. So they would immediately get rid of that speech and give them another speech and then the worm would go back up and they would stay on that speech and they called this thing the worm. Um, well, how many know, beloved, this isn't a popularity contest, amen, in the kingdom of God. Be careful that you don't have your little crowd of critics always around you quick to make yourself look good and your pastor bad. I mean, you know, a lot of times, amen, especially the disciples are real close, amen, to the pastor. They see things about the pastor that other people don't see. And it's not to us, amen, to exploit, amen, our pastor's flaws. And remember the story about Noah getting drunk. Genesis 9, verse 20, it says, And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk, became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Um, their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Listen to what happens here. Ham comes in and he sees his father's nakedness. He sees a part of his father that nobody else should be seen. And he runs out immediately and he begins to tell everybody. But the other two brothers, they come in and they get a coat and backwards. They don't even want to look at it. In other words, they're going to help him cover his nakedness. They're not going to exploit it. Um, and Ham is completely different. Uh, he runs. Um, he starts bad-mouthing. Amen. He starts, uh, you know what, spreading this thing all over the place. Uh, and his father wakes up and says, Cursed is Ham. I mean, oh, you need to be careful about what you say about leaders. Especially your pastor. His wife and his children. You know what I learned years ago? 
I learned years ago that if my pastor is blessed, I'm blessed. I learned years ago that if my pastor's church is blessed, then it dwindles down, amen, to our churches. You know, we live in a generation, amen, of people that hate to see their pastors blessed. They want to see them drive junk cars and wear junk clothes. They want them to eat at McDonald's. I like it when my pastor is blessed. I like it when his wife is blessed. I like it when his, when his children are blessed. I like it when God's anointing and favors upon his entire family and his ministry. Uh, because I understand, beloved, that it runs from the beard all the way down to the feet. Can you say amen? A lady in my church that comes to me and tells me, I notice your wife never wears the same dress. I said, that's because she has a good husband. You ought to find one. No, what is it to you? My wife wears a, a brand new dress all the time. That means God's blessed us. That means I'm not in debt. Let's move on. I can feel all the pastors. Why? Stay right there. Stay right there. Shopping, shopping. Say shopping. <laughs> See, John understood his role and he understood where calling and promotion came from. Therefore, he didn't have to promote himself. Listen to what I said. He understood where calling and promotion came from. Listen to verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi... He who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Listen to his answer. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. He said a man receives nothing unless it comes from him. He didn't say, yeah, man, it's all about the politics, man, and the fellowship. It's all about who you know. It's all about whose son you are. It's all about, you know what, who you're related to. You know, he said, you know what, promotion comes from heaven. You get eerie of hearing people say that. I was in conference in January. I heard four different pastors say that. It's all about who you know. Really. Because John the Baptist said it has nothing to do with who you know. He said, if anything comes down, it comes from heaven. God who reads the heart. Looks for the humble, exalts it. Never forget being door director there with Pastor Ruby. And I was anxious to get sent out. I thought I was uh, there for three years, and I thought that was too long already. And I wanted to get sent out, man. I remember my second year at conference. I was so bummed out because I didn't get sent out. I was literally crying in the, in the hotel lobby because I didn't get sent out. I'd only been saved for two years. And my wife, uh, you know, was looking at me, and there was another couple sitting with me, and that couple says, uh, uh, Roman, maybe you're not ready. And I looked at him, I said, dude, I'm ready, man. And he says, well, maybe your wife isn't ready. And I looked at my wife, I said, you better not ever hold me back from getting sent out. We went back home. I was so vexed. And then our conference came around in October. And 
I told my wife, this is it. We're leaving. I know we are. I bought her a keyboard. Um, I asked the song service. Uh, I asked the song service uh, uh, leader for the, for the song service book. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm getting prepared. We're leaving. And Pastor Ruby gets wind of this. And three days before the conference, he calls me in his office. He didn't even sit down. He didn't even close the door. He just, the moment I took one step in, he says, I have no intentions of sending you out. He says, when you learn how to take care of another man's ministry, God will give you yours. He closed the door. I was like. But you know what? I wasn't concerned about my pastor's ministry. I was only concerned about mine. You hear men say they want to win the world for Jesus. Do powerful supernatural things for God. You know, all that is great, beloved, but can you first learn to be a forerunner? Can you be faithful with another man's ministry, or is it all about you? See, how do you act when another brother is promoted above you? Can you find fulfillment in that brother's success or in the success of others? Can you help somebody else be elevated in the kingdom, or does it all have to be about you? I want to close. I want to close with humbling ourselves. Verse 30, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. This means, amen, that exaltation comes through humbleness, not politics, beloved. Uh, it comes with a humble spirit, uh, not a humble mouth, but a humble spirit. Because a lot of times, beloved, people agree with you in public, but they don't in private. I just had a wife come to me and say, you know, Pastor, uh, my husband always agrees with you. You know, she's fed up with him already, and she's telling on him. She's like, you know, my husband always agrees with you in, uh, right here in your office. But the moment we go home, you ought to hear what he says about you. The husband's like. <laughs> Yet that's the same guy that was upset because he wasn't door director and the other guy got picked door director. I first started off in ministry there in Pastor Ruby's church. I'll never forget. I was so excited. And I began to tell one of the brothers there that was contending to get sent out. I said, man, I'm so excited, man. I can't wait to be a Bible study leader and then one day door director and get sent out. And he says, well, get in line. He says, there's about 10 of us ahead of you. You know, I simply just did what I was supposed to do. I came to prayer. I outreached. I street preached. I tithed. And I ended up becoming door director before this guy. And as a matter of fact, I've been out now for almost 13 years and he's still in the church. 
Does God resist the proud? You know, I asked Pastor Tom Payne for three things that helped him stay in the ministry for the long haul. And I was very, uh, you know, moved by the answers that he gave me. He said, first of all, he said, I had to learn that it wasn't about me. Whatever God lets you do, it's always for someone else. He said, number two, he says, I had to learn to judge envy in my own heart. When another brother was being lifted up above me. I had to learn to judge that in my heart and also support that man and believe that my time was coming. Number three, he said, God has a right to tell me what level of ministry I'm going to have. Pastor Mitchell used this quote. He said, uh, a man, he heard a a preacher say once, Lord, please let me learn to humble myself so that I don't have to be humbled by you. Lord, let me learn to humble myself so that I don't have to be humbled by you. Maybe this is why Jesus said, a greater man born of a woman there will never be than John the Baptist. Because he always understood his role. Many of you have heard of Billy Sunday. I've uh, always been fascinated with his ministry. I saw him. I was in uh, Aurora, Chicago, preaching for Gabriel Alonzo a few years back. And uh, I got the privilege to go to um, um, Billy Graham's museum. And uh, as we were in there, they had this one, this whole side of uh, Billy Sunday. They actually had live footage of Billy Sunday preaching, very powerful preacher, a great move of God through this man. He, they have him on the footage. He's got one knee on the pulpit. There's no sound system. There's probably about 5,000 people in attendance. Um, a big old arena. And he's preaching over the pulpit. Repent, you sinners, you prostitutes, you drunkards. And, and hundreds and thousands of people are coming to repent at the altar. Billy Sunday, uh, many of you know, uh, in Texas, the 18th Amendment was because of Billy Sunday. Alcohol was banned. Prostitution was banned. Um, no work on Sunday because of this man's ministry. This man uh, was also a, a, a baseball hero. He gave up a huge contract to be a, a minister. He got saved, um, and he was one of the fastest runners of his, of his time. Um, and uh, also on his record, uh, one time he was preaching in a small town in Texas, and it's a small crowd that came out to see him. And as he's preaching, two men are mocking him. Um, and he stops preaching and he says, if you don't quit mocking me or if you don't quit mocking God, he said, um, God's going to strike you dead. Um, and uh, he begins to preach. And five minutes into his preaching, um, these men continue to mock and both of them fall dead. And so it puts an incredible fear in that town. Next service, over 30,000 people in attendance. The entire town. The entire town was in attendance. The entire town got saved. They likened it to Nineveh. It's an incredible, incredible man. He gave up a contract with baseball. He gave up his fame to do the will of God. But you know what's very powerful about this man? Is that when he gave up his contract, for the next 10 years, Billy Sunday did absolutely nothing but follow his pastor around carry a bowl of water for him to wash his hands when he was done preaching and a pitcher of water so he can drink. 
his family and friends used to mock him and tell him, you gave up your fame, you gave up your fortune to be a water boy. Ten years into that, he becomes one of the greatest evangelists of our time. Simply because he said, you know what? This is my role right now. In due time, God will exalt me. Let's bow our heads tonight. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.